telling you one day we're just gonna break out in like spontaneous dance after one of those bumper videos. Maybe we should plan that from our birthday. That'd be an awesome birthday present from the church. Just like, it's September, like just that weekend, we'll just like break out into like a, like a sweet dance party right in the middle of that bumper for like 50 seconds and then we'll get into the word. Okay, sorry, I'm babbling now. Hey, um, if you're new to the church, uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. Not different if you've been coming for any length of time, but uh, you're used to this already. But what we do typically on a weekend is we go through whole books of the Bible. Um, we're in the Gospel of John right now. We'll be doing John chapter 9 next weekend, which if you've never heard John chapter 9, that's where we get the whole expression, I once was blind, but now I see, comes from chapter 9. Fantastic. We'll be back to doing that next week, okay, next weekend. What we're doing today is this, and we do this twice a year, is we do a vision service. Now, let me tell you why this is important. It's important to know what Jesus wants his church to be. That's us, by the way. It's important to know what Jesus wants this to be. It's important that we have a vision for what this particular body of Christians is supposed to do in our city. And then it's important to see if we're actually doing that. So that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to look at what God wants us to be, uh, the, the, the kind of process that we've come up with to help us do that. If we're getting involved, opportunities for you to get involved. I'm going to go over the finances with you so you know where all of our money is going um, and all that stuff today, and then hopefully challenge you at the end of this to kind of take a, a, a bigger step in 2017. Is anyone happy that 2016 is gone? Yes. It was a rough year, guys. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to 2017. It's going to be a good year, and uh, I'm really, really glad you guys are here. So it's good, to see a, it's good to see a full room. It's really, really encouraging. And so I'm going to pray. You should have a notes handout, guys. It's, it has everything I'm going to say on there. It's got all the numbers. It's got all the stats. It's got all the finances. It's got all that fun, happy stuff on there that you can keep and stick it in your Bible and go back and reference that later. But what we'll do in September of this year, we'll go back and look at what I talked about today, and we'll make sure that we're on track, okay? Hold ourselves accountable, and we'll do that uh, later on in this year in the fall, okay? So... Let me pray. We'll get into this. I think there's some cool stuff you guys are going to dig at the end of this, talking about what we plan to do this year, and um, see where the Lord takes us in 2017, okay? All right, let me pray. Lord Jesus, God, I just want to thank you so much for, for a, a full room. I want to thank you, God, uh, for the people in this room. Lord, just at the end of that song, I looked out, and there's certain people that I see worshiping, and I know their story, and I know where you've brought them from, and it just really did something in my heart, God, to see them lifting their hands and, and praising you, Father. God, I pray that you keep your hand on our church. I pray, God, that you keep your hand on every church in our community. I pray that you give every pastor a vision, and, and Lord, that you give every congregation a vision, and that you help us to advance your kingdom, Lord, in our city. Not our kingdom, your kingdom, Father. Keep your hand on me, God, as I do my best to convey your heart and what I feel like you've told me to do, and uh, speak to our congregation, God, and everyone in this room, and and help grow us and mature us this year. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and it's in your name, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, I looked at an article recently by a really famous Christian author who said he did not go to church very often or regularly because the Bible does not clearly outline what the church is supposed to be. Now, I strongly disagree with this, both of these statements. A, I believe you need to be at church regularly, and B, I think the Bible is extremely clear on what the church is supposed to be. So let's look at that. What kind of a church does Jesus Christ want? Well, he was very clear in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He said that he wants the church to go out and make disciples, right? That's followers of Jesus, baptize them, 
and teach the Word of God. He also says, and Paul says many times in the New Testament, that the church is to be a place of community. What that means is this, is that we come into this place, we build relationships, that we should be able to help meet the spiritual, emotional, and even the financial needs of other Christians, that no one should be starving in the church, no one should be lonely in the church, no one should be spiritually um, suppressed or, or worn out in the church, and that the church is not supposed to just minister to other believers, but we are to pour out onto our city, that we are to serve the city, that Jesus says we're to be the light and the salt to our community. Jesus also says that we're not to build houses of worship. That's what we've done in North America. We're to build houses of prayer, that these are supposed to be places, groups of people that come together, and that we are to pray and communicate with our Savior. So this is just the tip of the iceberg of kind of what Jesus expects out of our church. We also see that the church is to be a place of maturation. What I mean by that is that we are to be growing, that the church is to gather corporately together. That's what we're doing right now. And in that, we're to study the Word, which is what we typically do. We're in the Gospel of John, and we take communion with each other, right? We fellowship. We remember the cross. We commune together as a body and remember what Jesus has done for us. So, the church should be a place where we mature in our faith. What I mean by that is this. If you get into a church and three years later you're still living the same, talking the same, still doing the same things, there's a problem there. We're supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be changing. We're supposed to be becoming more and more sanctified to God. That word is a fancy word for meaning basically that over time we should start learning our purpose, our role in the church, our role in the kingdom of God and that we're all to be growing closer to holiness. All that is, that's a fancy way of saying that we should always be growing closer to and evolving more like the image of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is to make us do, is to build a relationship with Him, a relationship with others, and we evolve closer and closer and closer into looking, acting, thinking like Jesus Christ. So one time, a religious leader, and if you've been with us for the Gospel of John, you know who I speak of, these Pharisees and Sadducees that would argue with, with uh, Jesus quite often. One time, one of them came up to Jesus and said, what is the most important thing that we need to do? What's the greatest command that God ever gave us? And Jesus said, well, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. So all of your body, all of your brain, all of your emotions, that we are to love God. And he says the second thing is close to that. It's very similar to that, that we are to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. And some of us love ourselves quite a bit. That means we just need to love our neighbors more, right? That we need to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. We're to love them with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. In other words, this is what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place of restoration, a place of healing to where the individuals, every single one of us in this room, we can come and be personally restored our relationship with God. Then we can be restored as a congregation, as a community. We can have restored relationships. We can build families back. We can build community. And then what happens after we've been restored individually and as a congregation, we can start to restore our city our neighbors, our neighborhoods, our schools, our government offices, our workplaces, our gyms, our retail stores, that we can start affecting in a positive manner everything around us. But we don't just focus on the spiritual. We help with the mental needs. We help with the physical needs. We do the whole picture, right? Mind, body, and soul. We do all of it. 
Now, the way that this church tries to do that is through a very simple vision. I remember when I first started the church in 2009, I was all rebellious and angry at the church. And I was like, we don't need a vision. That's corporate. You sellouts. You know, I don't need a vision. And I was reading the book of Proverbs one day, and it says, where there's no vision, the people run wild and die. And I'm like, well, I don't want that, you know, so we should probably have a vision. So I prayed about it, and I just plagiarized the Bible, and this is what I came up with. So our vision is this. We have it painted in our foyer. We have it on all your brochures that you get. It's all over the place, right? This is our vision to lead people to Jesus Christ through authentic worship, through authentic community, and through authentic community service. Extremely simple. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to break that down, okay? We're going to break it down, and we're going to show you opportunities of how you can get involved in that vision, and you can start growing in your relationship with Christ. So how do we become a biblical church, the kind of church that Jesus wants? Well, this is what we came up with. Now, again, we're just kind of plagiarizing the Bible, but this is kind of our simple five-step process of growing people into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Now, you'll see this image when you go out here and go outside to your car in the freezing cold weather. You'll see it painted really big above the doors. When you're dropping your kids off, you'll see this painted on the wall really big on the, on the tan wall. If you go into our conference area, it's really, really big in our conference area. This is what our church does and I'm going to break this down, these five steps. Look, we've already got you the first one. You're already 20% through. That's good, right? We got you to worship service. So the first two steps are this. They're entry points, ways to just kind of like test the waters, get in, kind of like put your foot in and see if this is what you want to do, these entry points. And the first one is this, being at a weekend service. Now, we offer services Saturdays at 5 and 7, and then Sundays 9 and 11. That's, it's very convenient. So if you have to work or if you can't make it on a Saturday, you can come on a Sunday or vice versa. And this is how we do it. Um, now, church attendance is extremely important. Why is it extremely important? Not because I get a bonus if we hit numbers or my salary goes up or something like that. That's not why church attendance is important. Church attendance is important because the writer of Hebrews said we should not forsake this. This is important. It's good to hear the word, it's good to commune, it's good to be encouraged, it's good to be around like-minded people, and this has not been as big of a priority to a lot of people as it should be. Do you guys want to guess the season where our numbers are the lowest in this church? Some say fall, some say the summer. So if you look at our attendance records, right, we go up, 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 and hold on, I'm not the devil, hold on. UT football starts, and our attendance drops 10% in September and October. Guys, listen, I love you. UT football is not going to save your marriage. It's not going to save your relationship with your kids, and it's not going to save your soul. Is it okay to love football? Sure it is. That's why we offer four services. And so I assumed if people didn't come on Saturday, we'd just have bigger Sundays. Not true. They missed the whole weekend. And guys, that's not okay. It's not okay for you. It's not okay for your kids. It's not okay for your marriage. It's not okay. You need to be at church, and it needs to be a higher priority than most things in life. It needs to be a big deal that you're faithfully attending weekend services. I was very like disheartened when I saw this thing. And we actually we grow every summer. We do fine in the summer, September and October. We were down about 200 people a week in September and October. And then when UT started losing, numbers went right back up. So. Um, last, I'll talk about football, I promise, right? 
Okay, so another entry point besides our weekend services, a lot of people come to our next class, which isn't really a class. It's one night. I give my testimony. We give you a tour of the building. You get to meet some of the people that work here. Uh, we'll tell you how we started the church. There's, you know, drinks and um, pizza, and you can just kind of hang out and talk and ask whatever questions. Uh, I think we actually have one tomorrow. So we'll be here tomorrow at 6.30, and um, we do this the second Monday. Is it tomorrow? Yes? All right. Yeah, I'm glad you guys know that. I didn't know it. Anyways, it'll be tomorrow night. We have prayer nights that happen the same weeks as worship nights, and this is a time when you can come in. We usually have three or 400 people show up in the student center. We pray for a couple of hours, pray for each other, pray for our city, pray for the upcoming worship night. It's a good entry point. Um, speaking of worship nights, we have one coming up February 17th. If you've never been to one of our worship nights, they're amazing. We literally have thousands of people crammed into this room, and we worship and sing for about three hours. We do baptisms. We take communion together. It's a really, really excellent time. Neat thing. This year, our summer worship night is going to take place on the square, which is going to be kind of cool. Yeah, that's going to be kind of a neat thing. But this is a very uh, spirit-filled event. You can kind of let your hair down. It's just a really, really good night to be uh, energized and revived. You can bring friends or family if they just want to check out the good music and, and, and worship with us, okay? So those are entry points, all right? Moving on from steps one and two, weekend services, next class, these prayer nights, worship nights, we go into the next step, which is growing in our faith, okay? So this is getting plugged into community or some kind of development. Now, we do this in a lot of ways. A lot of people don't know we have clinical counselors here at the church. We have two of them, a male and a female. They're both master's degree level and extremely intelligent. Um, that's by appointment only, but we have clinical counseling. We have Celebrate Recovery over here on Wednesday nights. That is probably one of the greatest things that we do in this church. It's for anyone with any kind of addictive personalities or hurts or hang-ups or insecurities. They meet over here on Wednesdays at 6 for dinner, 7 for service, and 8 for small groups. Really, really great group. We have life groups that meet on campus and off campus. All of our on-campus groups have free childcare. Uh, we also have home groups that meet in homes, you know, hence the name home groups. They meet in homes and they're very evangelistic and they're based on geography. So if you live in the north side of town, we'll find you a home group in the north side of town and you can kind of adopt those neighborhoods and that part of town, we have those. We have evident groups. I'm kind of sporting my evident shirt today. This is our uh, college and career and 20-somethings that gather together. They meet once a month over in the student center and have a big service, music and lights and food and all that stuff. But the whole point of that is to plug students into small groups. Right now, we have about 150 20-somethings that are plugged into weekly home groups. That's excellent. And every month, we need more and more help with that. Um, we have student ministries. Corey that's up here that does announcements. Um, I typically make fun of him, but I'm going to brag on him today. He does all of our high school students, and Savut does all of our middle school students. Um, recently, Corey Drake took all of our high school students, about 150 high school students, through the entire book of Revelation, word by word. That's fascinating. People just don't do that. Most churches, most senior pastors aren't brave enough to do that. And he walked all those students through the book of Revelation, did a phenomenal job with it. They meet on Wednesdays. Eon meets on Wednesdays as well, and Eon also meets at every single service that we have. So all four services, Eon meets. Um, we have prayer groups. Uh, we have a prayer group that meets Monday nights at 6.30. If you want to get involved with that, it's open, and they pray for all the needs that are sent into our church, which there's a lot, and they pray for those one by one. 
We have prayer Monday through Friday from 6.30 to 9.30 a.m. There's a young man in my small group, JT, that actually sometimes gets here around 5.30 to get here super early, and they unlock the place, and people can come and pray, and it's just kind of a come-and-go casual thing that you can do before work or when you start your day. And so our participation in small groups is actually pretty good. We have about 40% of our church right now that is involved in some kind of small group, which is really, really fantastic, but I'll get to that here in a second. Here's something I really want a lot of you to pray about, consider, think about, and, and hopefully do this. We offer two different classes. Now, if you've taken basics or studying the Bible or apologetics, or, we've compressed all those into what we call foundations. And then before that, we have what's called the following Jesus class. And you should have something in your handout about the dates, and I'll show you those here in a second. But here's what we offer. So if you jump into the church, let me go ahead and throw up the dates. If you jump into the church, like right now, for instance, and you just want to have some good basic teaching on Christianity, sign up for following Jesus. It's completely free, right? Everything's free. You sign up. It's four weeks. We have a baptism weekend and a worship night. And then you can sign up if you want to for nine weeks of foundations, which is a little bit deeper, goes over deeper things of the Bible, how to study the Bible, apologetics, which means how to defend the Bible, and all this stuff for nine weeks, okay? And there's six entry points for these. So every trimester, so three times a year, we have these start dates. These will be posted all around the building. You should have them in your notes, and we will remind you of these all the time, and you can jump right into these, Okay? a good way to get plugged in. Now, if you do all that and you're still like, I want more, which we hope you do, we will plug you into discipleship training, which is a 12-week course. I'm actually about to start that with my small group. It's a 12-week course. We have a book for it. It's called the uh, uh, Real Life Discipleship. It's fantastic. And it teaches you how to go out and just make disciples. Simple, foundational stuff. It's fantastic. And you can do that as well. And that costs nothing. So, entry points, growing, getting deeper, and then hopefully we want to get people into serving in some capacity. Now, the reason why we do services the way we do, 5, 7, 9, and 11, back-to-back like that, the reason why we do that is it makes it easy, if you don't have a lot of time in the week, which I know a lot of you don't, it makes it easy that you can come to one service and either attend or serve, and then the next service you can either serve or attend. And it makes it very, very easy, and we do that on purpose. Now, again, I'll brag on our church. Right now, 43% of our church is serving in some capacity. That is absolutely fantastic. And we have a lot of opportunities for you to serve. Let me quickly go over some of these. If you don't know where to start, you can do hospitality. It's as simple as making coffee. We have a coffee machine that makes six gallons in like three minutes. It's amazing to behold. But anyways, we serve a lot of coffee. If you want to serve coffee, we have people that just go around and shake people's hands. We have people that hand out the brochures when people walk in. Hospitality, set out communion. They prepare that stuff. Anyone can do that. You can get involved in Echo. We, offer, we uh, make people go through a background check because they're working with kids. But you can get involved with Echo. That's our children. Eon, that's our middle school. We have a thing called bar ministry. Uh, don't get too excited. We actually go outside of the bars and we cook a bunch of hot dogs, and when people come out of the bars on the square, we give them free hot dogs, we give them water, we give them coffee, try to make sure that they're sober enough to drive home. We talk to people and try to build relationships, and we're just trying to keep people safe. We love our city, and we're just trying to keep people safe when they're, when they're on their ride home. 
Um, you can get involved in our men's ministry. Right now, a big thing that they do, it's not a maintenance team, but they do a lot of maintenance, is there's a group of men that meet on Tuesdays and they do Bible study together and they work on the building and they study different things and pray together and they have community. We need help with our nursery. If the Lord has just called you to change poopy diapers, that's amazing. It's a wonderful calling and we need you for that. But if you wanna get involved with that, we have a wonderful nursery team. We do yard days here, not for the campus, all of the houses from Old Salem, that's the road right here, all the way to Old Fort, we cut, we landscape, we weedy, we do everything to every single house, hundreds of houses. We do that twice a year because we love our neighborhood and we want to help take care of them. Um, we have a ministry called Emerge. Some of you know about that. It's a special needs ministry. We have a sensory room back in our children's area, and we have people who are trained, and they will train you to work with special needs children, and we include them with the rest of our kids so they get to worship with our kids, and they have a buddy with them. If you're interested in that, let us know. Um, we need evident leaders all the time. Our student ministries and college ministry is growing so rapidly. We need more and more leaders to step up. And listen, we'll take your ideas. Oh, I didn't talk about art classes. That's one of my favorite things I do right now. And the other side of this wall, we do community art classes. And I'm not talking about like kids aren't like gluing paper together. They're doing oil. They're doing uh, acrylics. They're doing watercolors on canvas. And so we have artists that come in and take inner city kids and kids from the church who typically would not have the opportunity to do something like this. And we teach them fine art. It's amazing. You'll see some of the art back there sometimes, and they do this on Monday nights. So anyways, we're open to ideas as well. Um, one of the neatest ideas I've had recently, and we're not going to accept every idea, but someone sent me an email and said, hey, can I adopt one of the islands out in the parking lot and grow vegetables? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to like park and grab a tomato and come into work. So that sounds fantastic. Um, but I'm open to ideas like that. Email them to us. Let us know. We're, we, we're pretty crazy around here, and we encourage you to also be a little crazy and dream a little bit and think of something nutty. And if it falls within our vision, we'll see what we can do. If you don't get involved here, another thing that our church has a phenomenal reputation about is we are heavily involved in the nonprofits in our city. And we would love to funnel people to help the nonprofits. If you have extra money that you want to give or you know, above your, your giving to the church, if you want to give to nonprofits, these are great nonprofits that we give to. And if you want to get involved, we're going to highlight Portico in February. That's the Pregnancy Support Center. We support Young Life that goes into the high schools and middle schools. We support Greenhouse. We support Journey Home right across the train tracks. Salvation Army, Soldier's Child, FCA, that's the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, a group of people that come here just started a nonprofit called Stepping Stones, and we support them, and we'd love to hook you up with them. They help uh, women who have children that are homeless um, the Shepherd's Foster Closet, Special Kids that works with kids with special needs. There's a slew of these organizations. We support them with our money, and we would love to support them more with people going out and volunteering and helping them. Okay, so how are we doing with this, right? We see what Jesus wants. We kind of see the vision God's given us. How are we doing with that? Well, our weekly services have grown by about 30% this year. So we've baptized, I don't know, we probably baptized about 250 people last year. So we're baptizing people, we're growing, that's good, that's what the Lord wants for his church, so that's going pretty good. Uh, healthy church growth is about 8%, and we're running you know, more than three times that. Uh, participation in small groups is also good. Uh, we have about 40% that are in small groups. Average churches run about 30% in their small groups. And our participation in serving, the average church is 20%, we're at 43, so I'm very, very proud of that as well. 
And right now, our tithing at the church is about 30%. It's about double of what most churches, uh, the percentage of people who give on a, on a, on a uh, monthly or weekly basis to the church, we're at about 30%. Now look, if you compare us to other churches, we're killing it. Um, but that's not what I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about comparing us to other churches. I want to compare us to the standard that God wants us at. And if we're only having one-third involvement in the mission of Christ, guys, we're not like hitting home runs there. If you get a 35 on a test, you fail. And so right now we have about 35% of our church that's actively involved in the vision that God has given us. And we just can't be satisfied with that. We can't be content with that. We have to keep pushing forward and we have to keep doing better than that, okay? Now, here, and guys, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Here's where I think we've dropped the ball as a society and as a church, unfortunately, is all throughout the Bible, it says that men are to be the examples of serving, serving their family, serving their community, of course, serving God in the church, that men are to be the example. When I started looking at our numbers of who serves at this church, 65% of everything that happens in this church is done by women. That's great if you're a woman, not so good if you're a man. One-third of the men, uh, it's only one-third uh, of, of men that are participating and serving in this church. When we had Help Portrait recently, we had 166, I think, volunteers help us at Help Portrait in December. Out of that 166, 133 were women. Guys, that's not okay. I love you, and I love you so much that I'm going to tell you that's not okay. Men, we have to step up to the plate. This has to be our year to step up and be the example for our families, our spouses, our kids, our community, that we are godly men and we're serving. But I'll get to that here in a second, okay? Here's what, here's what Paul said about serving. We were called and we were set free not for our own flesh. We weren't set free just so we can run around and be like, I'm free. We were set free so we can serve one another. We were set free so our freedom can positively affect those around us, okay? All right, so let's talk about finances because that's what everyone loves to talk about in church. Let's talk about finances. In 2016, we budgeted out, we thought we were going to spend or need $1.9 million. We actually brought in a little bit more than that. We brought in $2.1 million. Now, our actual expenses last year were 1.86. So we weren't too bad off on what we thought we needed, okay? We brought in a little bit more than that, but we were pretty darn close. Um, just to squash any rumors that we're an extremely affluent church, uh, we have $89,000 in checking right now and $345,000 in savings right now. Uh, that's not a lot of money, in case you're wondering, especially for a church of 2,000 plus, okay? It's not a lot of money. Now, we did have close to about $900,000 in the bank this time last year, but we paid $450,000 in cash, wrote a check, that hurts, right? Wrote a check for this build-out, for this room, for this space back here, for this out there, for the chapel, for the parking lot, all that jazz, cost us $450,000 cash, okay? We'd saved up for that, and we definitely spent it. For 2017, this is what our projected income and budget are. Now, we get our budget for this year based on how much we brought in last year. So we brought in about $2.16 million uh, last year, so that's our budget for this year. Now, of that money, I want to show you exactly where it goes. If I'm going to ask you to give to this church, I think I owe it to you to show you what we do with your money. Now, this is where your money goes. 
About 34% of all the money given to the church goes into paying people that work here at the church. That's all full-time, part-time, and all the child care. Like right now, uh, uh, we have some paid child care workers back there. Throughout the week, all of the child care are people who are paid, things like that. This is all of the salaries combined. Now, just to give you perspective, most churches give 60% of their complete income budget to staffing. Uh, what this translates to is we don't make as much as other churches. So anyways, 34% of our budget goes towards staff. Um, I put a question mark by the second one. Our mortgage or our rent, we rent this place right now. We don't own this building, we rent it. And we pay $36,000 a month right now, but that is about to go up to at least 50 a month. And so that's a $600,000 a year of rent, right? That's a pretty nice apartment in Manhattan. Anyways, our benevolence goal is 20% of our, our budget. $433,000 we will give away. That doesn't mean we get in a helicopter and just like dump it out on the city. There you go, Murfreesboro. That's not the way we do it. We give to three churches up in New England. We support 400 pastors and their training in Uganda. We sponsor someone in Colombia. We sponsor someone in Wales. We, we do all the work that we do in this community. It's a lot of different stuff, and that adds up to about $433,000. Um, we have ministry expenses, which is just all the stuff we need to do to do ministry around here, which gets expensive, uh, about a quarter of a million dollars. We have operating costs, things like utilities, and utilities for this building are pretty stinking high, and things like that, and that adds up to about $248,000. So all of this, this budget, also includes a new campus, that's a spoiler alert that I'll get to here in a second, and it is actually more than 2.16. We're 4% over budget on what we propose for this year. So I either have to trim 4% off, or you guys have to give 4% more in order for us to meet what I have right here. And so we're still working those numbers a little bit. So when it comes to financial commitment to this church, if you're new here, I want you to know this. I have no idea who gives at this church. I don't wanna know, I've never known, have, I have no desire to know who financially contributes to this church. I know we have millionaires at this church. I know we have people that don't have hardly anything. And I would just rather not know who contributes. The only people that I know if they contribute or not are our elders and people that are paid staff. That's it. And of course, you know that makes sense. I don't want people controlling the money of the church if they don't give any money to the church. Those are the only people that I know that give. So whether or not one believes that tithing, that means giving 10% of your income, whether one believes that's New Testament or not, Jesus talked about it, by the way. Anyways, whether you believe that's New Testament or not, it is impossible to argue that people who've been born again should not financially contribute to the mission of the church. One of Paul's greatest jobs in the New Testament was to gather money from churches and take it to other believers who were hurting and in financially bad spots. That was one of his biggest jobs. That's why he traveled a lot. And if we are going to advance the gospel, not just in Murfreesboro, if we're going to do art classes, if we're going to do nursery, if we're going to teach the Bible, if we're going to give out uh, literature to people, if we're going to do, support all these nonprofits in town, if we're going to support three churches in the Northeast, if we're going to support churches in Africa and Colombia and Wales, it's going to take money. It is going to take financial commitment, and that's something that I'd really encourage you guys to pray about. Whether you do it or not, I will never know, okay? All right, let's get past all that. Fun stuff. We'll wrap it up with fun stuff. So one of the thing, big things that we're doing in 2017, uh, Dave Ashworth, Steve Jensen, Andrew King, a couple of the men from our men's group have been putting their heads together. They've been thinking a lot, and we're going to do a huge men's group initiative. 
Now, we need this. There are five women's group at this church, and they're all packed out, just, just busting out of the seams, and we have one men's group. So we're not giving the opportunities for men that we need to. So here's how we're going to hopefully uh, relieve this pressure and get more, more men involved in our church. So every semester, the first one is March 3rd, which will remind you, you don't have to remember that. March 3rd, we will have a men's summit which means it's going to be a big event, right? We'll bring in a, a, a speaker like Peter Demas or Bob Parks or someone like that, and we'll bring someone in, speak to the men, get us all stirred up. We'll eat a bunch of cholesterol-filled food, and we'll do devotions, and we'll invite men to get into, because that's what men do, right? We eat lots of meat. We'll, we'll get, uh, hopefully get men down to meeting once a month in monthly gatherings where we'll have service opportunities in a, a smaller setting, but not as small as we would like, and then eventually we will invite men into weekly small groups. So all we're going to do next year with the men, we'll have semester big events, monthly events, and then hopefully, eventually, everyone will get plugged into weekly small groups. This is what we plan to do with the men, okay? And we will keep you informed on that. Another thing, because I brought up the rent and the mortgage, we're talking about praying about and putting our heads together about what to do with this building. Now listen, this is our permanent location. We're not going to move from here. Um, I like this building. I'm not, you know, I don't worship a building or anything, but I think this fits our personality. Um, I like the leaks. It's just fun, you know, when you're teaching and every once in a while rain hits you. Uh, love this building, and um, it's a good spot in our town. It fits us. It's exactly where we need to be, and I believe that. So here's the thing. We're not moving from here, and we got plenty of room to grow. Not this service, obviously, but some of the other ones we do. So we're going to be here. Rent is only going to go up. And if we're going to be paying in the neighborhood of $600,000 for rent, and that's going to continually go up, it's going to reach a point to where it's just going to get too ridiculous. So here's where we're at. We're a debt-free church, and I love that about this church. We've always been a debt-free church. I believe in those principles very strongly, but the corner I'm getting backed into is there's going to come a time to where we have to make a decision on purchasing this building. So I put together a group of men, and I don't mind telling you who they are, and if you remember them, you should pray for these men. They all come to church here. But Kurt Garrett, who works for uh, Pinnacle Bank, Donald Hawkins, who works for Nissan North America, Bob Parks, who works for Bob Parks, um, <laughs> Steve Jensen, who also works for Steve Jensen. Um, um, these men have all gotten together, and uh, they're brainstorming, and they're talking, and, and Chris Campbell, who works for Dave Ramsey, he's on that group too, and they all come to church here. This is their church home. They love this church, and they're trying to put a plan together. How do we buy this building? How do we be the best stewards for our money that we can possibly be? Let me tell you where my brain's at, and I don't know what we're going to do yet, but if we, if we were to possibly take out a mortgage for seven years and buy this building and have it completely paid off, in seven years, we would have an extra $600,000 a year to put into our community. And I'm thinking, what in the world could we do if we just had, oh, I've got an extra 600 grand laying around. What in the heck could we do in our city for 600 grand a year? And so that's, that's my thought process. But guys, we're praying about it. We're looking into it. And the first time I hear a plan, you'll be the first one to know. I will let the church know. It will not be a hidden thing. It'll be, we'll, we'll talk about it, okay? Another exciting thing we're doing this year and this, this, this fall is we're going to start a church in Woodbury. Um... What, yeah, I'm glad you're excited. Josh and I want to throw up. So uh, anyways, <laughs> we're going to start a church in Woodbury. And let me tell you where my heart is on this. I've had a heart for Woodbury since about 2003, and I'll tell you why. I used to work at the Red Rose, which was a great coffee shop here in town. 
and I got to be really good friends with a bunch of the guys from the Short Mountain Sanctuary in Woodbury, right? In fact, one of them was a really good buddy of mine. His name was Hollywood, not his name by birth, but anyways. Hollywood and I got to be really good friends, and I started doing Bible studies. If you don't know what Short Mountain is in Woodbury, it's a gay, nudist, pagan colony, right? And they have some crazy, hedonistic, radical fairy parties there several times a year, and no one in Woodbury will have anything to do with them. So we think we're going to start a church and reach out to those people. So anyways, a long time ago, I got to know a bunch of those guys, and I just fell in love with those guys. And uh, I believe the Lord loves those guys, and they don't have a place. They don't have anyone reaching out to them in Woodbury. So that's one of the demographics we plan to, to reach out in Woodbury. We plan to reach the artistic community. We plan to reach out to the punk kid that has nowhere to go. We plan to reach out to the interracial couple that maybe doesn't get treated very well all the time when they go to churches out in that area, and we plan to fill a gap that, that we think needs to be filled. So in doing that, what we're going to do is we've already budgeted for it. So in the budget you saw, that Woodbury campus is included in that. Um, what we're going to do is we will probably have a meeting. And if you live in Cannon County, we would like to talk with you. Uh, and we'll, have, we'll let you know when this meeting is. And Josh will meet with you guys. And I'll meet with you guys. And we'll just talk about what our vision is with this and see if you want to jump on board with that. Um, Josh will be the pastor out there. That doesn't mean we completely lose Josh. He's going to be here throughout the week, a couple of days throughout the week. He'll probably be here on Saturdays, and we're going to teach the same thing. So I think we're going to start the book of Acts in the fall. He's going to be teaching the book of Acts just like I'm teaching the book of Acts. And sometimes maybe he'll take a break and come teach here, and I'll go teach out there for a little bit. It's going to be an extension of us. It'll look like us, feel like us, all that stuff, okay? And so if you're out in that area, uh, be praying about that, okay? But we plan on starting a church out there in the fall, all right? Okay, so without getting too sassy, Christian culture has created a sit back and let the pros do it mentality. Um, Christian culture right now has created a culture of entertainment, of self-service, and quite frankly, a very apathetic endeavor to very cheap salvation. Now listen, if you're new to this church, I just wanna be upfront with you, this is not what we're ever going to be. We refuse to participate in that model. We're going to have deep relationships. We're going to actively pursue those that others don't want to pursue. We're going to go out and we're going to teach the gospel. We're going to be honest. We're going to be raw. We're going to study the word. We're going to let the spirit lead us, okay? And we're going to push you guys to be more and more involved in that process. And if we're going to do that, though, it must move beyond just us. Listen, you do not come to this church or any church to connect with the pastor. I will connect with as many of you as I possibly can, but you're not here for me. You're not here for anyone else on staff or, or music or any of that. You hopefully are here to connect with Jesus, and so he can influence your spiritual health, and then you can go out and influence the spiritual health of those around you. Now listen, I will be as accessible as I possibly can be just to let you guys know. If you send me an email, guys, I'm the one that responds. I don't have an assistant. I don't have a secretary. I don't have any of that. I have other people that work here that have assistants and secretaries. I don't have one. I build the PowerPoint, the notes you're looking at. I write that. I put all that together. I do it all myself. So if it takes me 26 hours versus 24 hours to respond to an email, please don't uproot your family and give up on Christianity, right? Let me buy you a cup of coffee and apologize to you because I'm doing the best I can. And maybe if it's a simple misunderstanding, if you call the office, Fab will answer the phone. Yes, her name is Fab. She's fabulous. If you call Fab, she will answer the phone. She will put you on my calendar and I, it will be written in stone. I will meet with you and I will not cancel on you. 
unless something crazy comes up, but you have to at least give me a shot before you uproot and leave. At least reach out to me and at least try to figure out where my heart is. Also, we need to invest in ourselves this year. I don't mean that narcissistically, but we do that so we can be filled with the Spirit and pour into others. It is this simple. Attend church, read the Bible on your own, not just when you're here, on your own, pray on your own, fast, pick up a fast guide, do this 40-day fast that starts tomorrow. Yes, do this fast with us and serve your community. And if you connect better with God, you'll be more uh, available and you'll be more qualified to connect other people with God. And we have to keep an outward vision. The community and people who don't know Jesus, that is our main focus if we start becoming inwardly focused, I know we need to mature up believers and we need to keep sharpening each other. I know that. But if we lose sight of those that don't know Jesus, we become a country club, not a church. And it is not about us being comfortable. It is about the kingdom of God. If you lose your seat on the weekend because there's too many people, thank God for that. Thank God that it gets a little tight and stuffy in here. That means more people are hearing the life-changing, soul-saving words of Christ. That's what we want. That's what we want. It's not about us. It's about Him. Now, this is what Jesus said about you. This is what Jesus said about you. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, its taste... How can it be made salty again? What that means is this. If the salt forgets its purpose, it's not good for anything. And Jesus says, your purpose is to go out and show people that life is worth living, that there's something greater, that there's something more important, that there is something eternal. That's what we're commissioned to do. And if we forget that, we're not good for anything. We've lost our purpose. Jesus also looks at us and says, you're the light. Guys, I know Jesus is the light, right? but he lives in us. Jesus is invisible to humanity right now, but his followers are visible. We are the visible representations of the invisible God. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. That's dumb, right? You put it up on a lampstand and the light gives off light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before men so they can see your good works. Not so they can give you glory, but they can see your good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. You are the salt and you are the light. So here's what we need to do this year, guys. This is all of us, including me. Is this year, 2017, needs to be a year of us maturing in our faith and a year of us expanding. Not just expanding as church growth, not just expanding to Woodbury, your territory needs to expand. You need to talk to more people about Christ. You need to love more people. You need to serve more people. You need to listen as more people need to confess and pour things out. We need to counsel more people, love more people. And I'm going to challenge you this year, make going to church a priority. Make it a priority. And if you don't like me, and if you don't like this church, find a church you like. Find a pastor that, that feeds you. Go to that church and go as often as you can. Don't, don't use excuses. Don't try to make up reasons why or why not. Just go to church and be there as often as you can. I'd like to push this church 
please consider signing up for the following Jesus class, which starts a week from uh, today. Think about doing that and think about doing the foundations class, please. It'll be good for you. It's on Sunday afternoons. It doesn't interfere with anything. It's free. It's great. Think about signing up for those. Pray about what kind of a small group you need to get into. We push that big time here. Guys, I wasn't always a small group person, and the Lord rocked my world last fall and said, you need to be involved in a small group. So I started one in my home, and I'm so happy I did. I built such great relationships, and seeing these people that I'm pouring into kind of mature and become stronger in their faith, pray about what group do you need to be into. Pray about where you need to serve. Men, I just want to challenge you guys. Probably one of the greatest causes of the social breakdown that we have, not just in the church, in the entire world, is the lack of men stepping up and being men. Guys, we need to step up and lead. We need to step up and serve. We need, I told you about the, 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 uh, uh, the help portrait. Even when we did our yard day, right? That's manly work. When we did our yard day, it was still 70% women that went out there and did yard work. Guys, we got to step up, man. We got to step up. If our family doesn't want to go to church, we need to be the ones to go, we're going, we're going. We have to be involved. We have to be plugged in. Men, this has to be our year. We have to step up and lead. I ask you to pray about your financial commitment. Like I said, if you give to this church or not, I will never know. It is between you and the Lord. But let me tell you a little bit about financial commitment to God. When I first became a Christian in, in late 02, early 03, I found out what tithing was, had no idea what it was. My pastor told me, and we started tithing. Now look, my wife and I have never had an abundance. We have, I have no idea what it feels like to have a lot of money. No idea. We'll probably never know, right? I was a school teacher and then a pastor, so I've, I kind of screwed myself there. Anyways, I will never know what it feels like to have a lot of money, but that's okay. God has always provided for us. We've never had excess, but we've always had enough. We've always made it. And you guys have been good to us. This church has been good to us. And God has taken care of us. Now, on this church, we've always committed to giving as a church. In our church, you saw the numbers. We don't have a lot of money as a church. But the more we financially contribute to the city, the more God blesses us with growth. The more he blesses us with influence. The more he blesses us in this community. And that's great. God takes care of us. I give you my word. If you pray and if God convicts you to financially contribute, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. He will provide for you, and he'll make sure you're okay. And listen, I, I, I want to ask a huge favor of all of you. Pray about this building. If you hit the Powerball, tithe on that, right? That was a bad joke. But pray about, <laughs> pray about this building and pray about Woodbury. Pray that God gives us a good answer for what to do here and to be good stewards and to be biblical about that. And then pray about Woodbury. Pray, about, pray for that city. Pray that we can go and make a huge impact. I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. Josh is going to do a phenomenal job out there. It's going to be great. But just pray for him. Pray for Josh. Pray for our elders of this church. Pray for our finance team that's trying to figure these things out with the building. And pray for me. I need wisdom. I need tons of wisdom. I'm young and stupid, and I need wisdom, and I need help. So please pray for me. And here's what I'd like to do at the end of this, guys. There's communion all the way around us, all the tables with lamps, there's communion. There'll be people up here in a minute on my right and left if you need prayer for anything, anything you need prayer for, come up here and let them pray for you. But here's what I'd like you to do when we take communion. The communion represents the body and blood of Jesus. Everyone is welcome to take that as long as you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, okay? It's all around us. Here's what I'd like you to pray during that time. 
Or if you want to have someone pray for you up here. Pray that God shows you what you need to do in 2017. Don't create a New Year's resolution just because you want to lose weight or, you know, I don't know, travel the world or something. Ask God, God, what do you want from me this year? Here's what we need to do, guys. Not only as a church, but all of us as, as individuals. My prayer for the last week has been this. God, I want to lay 2017 at your feet. Whatever you want out of me, here, it's yours. This year is yours. I think in 2016, a lot of us saw what our way does. And 2017 needs to be a year to where we're like, God, this is, this is yours. Just show me where to go. Show me what to do. Tell me where to walk, and I'll do it. And that's what all of us need to pray about, I think, before we leave this room. God, what do you want out of me? Do you want me to go to these classes? Do you want me to serve? Where, where do you want me? What do you want to do in my family? What do you want me to do at my work or my school or whatever sphere of influence I have? What do you want from me? And let him speak to you. Listen. He'll tell you. He'll direct you. He'll lead you. And if you're in here, listen, and you're not a Christian, this is one of the neatest groups of people I've ever been around in my entire life. They're accepting. They're genuine. They're real. We're broken and we're messed up and we're honest about that. But the Lord has changed so many hearts and so many lives in this room. And if you're new to the faith, this is such a good place for you to get plugged in. And I hope this has helped on some level kind of show you what we do here, okay? Hopefully I'll see some of you at next class tomorrow. And I pray that God blesses you this week. Let me pray for you. Um, Father, God, I love you. Lord, I love this group. I love this church. I love this city. Father, I pray right now as we start to take communion, as we do prayer, and as we start another week, as we start another year, I pray that before we leave this room, God, we can take a couple of minutes and just ask, what do you want? God, what do you want out of our 2017? What do you want out of me? What do I need to lay down? What do I need to pick up? What do I need to do? And Jesus, I pray that you start to speak to my brothers and sisters. If there's anyone in this room who struggles with their faith or they're not a believer, God, I pray that you start to work on their hearts. Give them some direction. Give them some kind of inclination or feeling, Lord God. Lord, let them search you out, Lord. Let them search out the truth and they'll find it. I love you, Jesus. God, we want to pray right now as a church at our 11 o'clock service. We want to say, God, 2017 is your year. It's not my year. It's not this church's year. Father, it's your year. Do with us whatever you see fitting, whatever you please. I pray that you heal marriages this year. I pray that you heal families. I pray that you heal finances. I pray that you start to build back bridges that we've burned down. I pray that you restore us, God. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys so much. You're welcome to help yourself to communion. There's men and women up here on my right and left to pray for you. Please make yourself at home.